Welcome in everybody to episode seven of the Crystal Basketball Podcast. We are back. We've had a long, almost year of school that we've had to take care of, but now we got some free time. We're back just in time for NBA draft season. We're going to talk about college basketball, high school basketball, draft prospects, international prospects, any, anyone you're interested in, we're probably going to talk about them. Uh, I'm Ethan Fuller. Rashad Landers joins me as always. Uh, Rashad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a great era for basketball right now. So, you know, I'm just excited to be here. It is a great era for basketball. I felt like even though this year was strange in a lot of ways with COVID and everything, uh, we got to see a ton of extremely talented players. I feel like the college game showed us a lot of guys who we weren't thinking about because we were so tuned into the high school rankings. A lot of, a lot of breakout college players this year. Um, But we're going to start just to kind of, this episode serves as more of a roundup just to get you primed for draft season. So we're going to have a couple different segments. We will have uh, top five prospects lists for each of us. Um, no surprise there. You've probably heard enough discussion, so we'll keep that one short. Uh, we'll, go into a, we'll go into a favorite player from each Final Four team, do quick breakdowns on them. We'll go into players that we're intrigued by that we think you should watch some film of and that we're going to watch more film of. And then a couple players that didn't have great college seasons or didn't have great seasons in general uh, that are given the benefit of the doubt. So we're going to hit all of those and we'll get started right now with a uh, top five list. So you want to, do you have a list set? Um, yes. So um, when you think about it, everybody's top five is going to be near the same because um, everybody in the world knows who the top five guys in the draft are going to be, even yeah. NBA GMs themselves. Um, so my list, it consisted of uh, what you've probably seen a lot, Kay Cunningham, um, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and then Jonathan Kuminga. Okay, interesting. So um, my list is very similar. I think our only switch is I, between our last week that we talked about, I moved Mobley up to three, dropped Jalen Green to four. Um, but yeah, Kay Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, same top five as pretty much anyone has said. Um, I guess we could, we'll do really quick on Cade Cunningham. I don't know what else there is to talk about with him. He's one of the most complete, amazing prospects that we've seen in a while. Any unique notes on Cade that you want to add? Well, yeah, we always talk about the grades that Cade Cunningham do, but I think what people need to point out is uh, there's a motor issue at times. Uh, so, you know, we know he's going to be the number one prospect, and we usually talk about the greatness of them. But uh, I think his only weakness is his motor. At times on defense, he tends to watch the ball and uh, forget his man, especially if he's off ball. And there's times in the game where he can pick up the intensity or pace, and he just doesn't. So some people say it's a calm factor, and that's why they compare him to Luka Doncic. But I would like them to see – I would like to see him be more active. Okay, that's interesting. And I wonder – I guess I wonder this with a lot of one and done players who, you know, are one and done, how, how much the motor is affected by them just kind of knowing that they're not going to be here very long. Do you think this, especially this off ball stuff that you're talking about, do you think that's a concern at the NBA level or do you think that's more of a product of him being gassed or him trying to do too much at Oklahoma state? Um, I think it may be all of what you just said, being honest, um, carrying an offensive load, even though he had a couple of studs at Oklahoma State. Um, defensively, you do have to maintain a, a certain amount of energy for offense. And then uh, when I think when he gets to the NBA level, I think he plays harder. 
just because you have to re-approve uh, yourself, it's kind of like when you go to middle school as a sixth grader, then you're eighth grader, you're on top. Now uh, going to high school, you're back a freshman again. And now he's going to be back at the bottom of the cycle having to prove himself. So I think mm -hmm. he does play harder once he gets in the NBA. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, obviously it's a crazy year for everyone too. I'm sure he, he must have been exhausted sometimes. So makes sense. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, very complete, definitely always improvement areas to work on. Off-ball defense is one, like you mentioned, but Kate Cunningham, uh, pretty much consensus number one. Uh, we agree on Jalen Suggs at two, um, which excited me because I think the complete nature of Jalen Suggs as a prospect is pretty underrated, honestly. He is an explosive athlete. He is a pesky on-ball defender. He puts a lot of effort in a lot of the time. He played in an NBA system at Gonzaga. The, th the jump shot is really the biggest concern, but I don't, it's not that much of a concern. He's, it's not like he's bricking everything. He's streaky. He made, I think, just under 34% of his threes this year, but it looks pretty good. Like he can pull up, he can shoot off the catch. I think Suggs is very complete. And I think what sets him apart from the rest of this two through five group is that there are so many different ways that you see him being a positive right from the get-go at the NBA level. And also having kind of a floor general and a score first point guard like Suggs is so valuable to a lot of teams in this league. So I think that all makes him number two. Yeah, and that kid's a winner. Uh, not saying the other four guys aren't, but every level of basketball and even football in high school, he's played on, he's won. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's that intensity that he has. And with the jump shot, I believe that uh, – he just didn't shoot it a lot to where people could judge him on it. Uh, he was more about winning and setting his teammates up. But like you said, he is streaky. And in the NCAA tournament, we did get to see him hit some big shots and take a lot of threes and more. Yeah, uh, exactly. And he's going to get better at the jump shot. He also, if he gets that up to even 36, 37%, he's going to be really, really deadly as an offensive player and as a scorer. And then that opens up his passing game. I don't know. I, re I really like Jalen Suggs a lot. Um, Evan Mobley also, not, I mean, not to discredit him because I know a, a solid chunk of people have him at two. Evan Mobley is going to be a game-changing defensive player as well. Yeah, Mobley, um, everybody paid attention to his offense and his defense kind of got overshadowed uh, because, you know, USC's system, they won that 1-3-1, uh, which is very long. You'll see Mobley and two other 6-10s with him. So you couldn't see the one-on-one -on -one ability on defense, but I think it's very capable of him being a future defensive player in the year in the NBA. Absolutely. And he's even though he's, his frame's kind of skinny, he plays with strength. He's a lot stronger than I thought he was when I went back and looked at him. And so if he actually adds like physical muscle and is, becomes a larger body, he's going to be really, really tough to stop. Um, for me, it's just how much does the shooting come along? Um, if he's going to really become a transcendent player in general, I think there's a little bit more he can do on the offensive end. But already... Like he can attack off the bounce like a wing and he's seven feet tall. He's a pretty good passer. I think ultimately it's just kind of fine tuning the, the three point shot. And that, that would just completely change the game for him. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got, um, so four for me and three for you, we have Jalen green. Um, this guy's going to put up 25 points per game at some point in the NBA. Um, just absolutely insane scorer. I think that, concerns about the streakiness are fair but again not only did he play in the g league but he also i mean he demonstrated he has the full package of scoring moves he can do anything he wants if he's going as a scorer 
Um, what do you like about Jalen Green? Um, I'm more of a body type guy. So when I look at Jalen Green, he's six six right now. I don't think he's done growing. I think he'll hit six seven, uh, possibly six eighty at the most. Uh, but when you when you look at the length and the wingspan that he plays, and uh, it's not kind of fast, it's not slow. He plays at his own pace. I mean, <laughs> he plays at his own pace, which is a uh, it's very good for a guard like him. You know, I think of him as a Chris Middleton type, but way more athletic. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. And um, yeah, for me with Green, it's just what is he going to do besides scoring? He's shown some flashes of solid passing. He just has to make more of those decisions. Uh, defense is an issue for sure, but I don't think it's unsalvageable. Um, so there's a lot of places where he can get better. And if you have a 25 point per game scorer who's going to make highlight mixes wherever he goes, you're going to sell jerseys. You're going to want him on your team. I think ultimately he's going to be a winning player. Um, and then the last one, Jonathan Kaminga, who I still really like. I know he's probably the player people have soured on the most out of the top five. And I think outside of him finding some touch with the jump shot, it's it's pretty close to there from an offensive standpoint. He's a, such an underrated passer. I think he's a really, really good passer. And that with his finishing and his athleticism is a really positive sign. Yeah, after his first two games, we saw him explode, uh, especially media-wise. A lot of people didn't know about him before. And uh, they was like, who is this 6'8", 220 guy who's, you know, coming in the G League already averaging about 20 and 10 his first five games or so. Um, so I think he has the most NBA-ready body out of all the prospects. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that three-point jump shot is the main thing I see as his weakness. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't – it's inconsistent, but I think it's more a bunch of small tweaks he can make versus he has to completely overhaul it. Um, it just comes down to does he have the touch and can he knock him down consistently? So I, I still do like him a lot because, like you said, he's – got the most NBA ready frame out of all the players in the top five, at least. And while the other four are going to be kind of working on that, Cade Cunningham to a lesser extent, but while the other four are going to try and be working to get stronger for Kaminga, it's more just about skills and shooting. So it's a different pathway, but I still think he's really tantalizing as a prospect. Yeah. And right outside of those guys, there's a kid named Scotty Barnes <laughs> that I think everyone should check out. <laughs> I was wondering what I was wondering when we get to Scotty Barnes time um, and it's early. Wow. So, I mean, I was going to ask you this anyway. Um, I was going to ask you if there's any other player that can break into the top five during the pre-draft process. Um, and I I'll ask you that question, but I'll also ask, do you think Scotty Barnes is the most likely guy to break in the top five? Uh, when you look at mock drafts, he's the one that's always right outside of them. So if you look at it on paper, um, I would say so, but I think another kid that can do it is Keon Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. who scouts have, uh, they've talked about him all year. Um, I didn't really pay attention to him much out of high school. I know he was a five-star, but he was always talked about as a lottery pick then. So I think that's another kid that I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top five. Yeah, I agree. I like both the Tennessee guys. I'm a huge Jaden Springer fan. Um, and Keon Johnson obviously has been great too. A lot of scouts, like you said, love him. Um, so yeah, that's, that's your super quick top five roundup. Um, we'll probably break down some of their games before draft time. Um, I'm sure plenty of other sites are doing it too, because they're the five most popular names in the draft. Um, but yeah, let's move on. And we'll go a little bit more in depth on the March Madness faves that we have. We picked uh, one player from each final four team. Um, who do you want to start with, Rashad? Um, well, I'll start with Davion Mitchell uh, because he's the one that kind of took the internet by storm. 
uh, not just by his play, but people thought he was Donovan Mitchell's brother. <laughs> I think it's very funny. Um, but if I pull up my notes here, this kid averaged 14 a game and five assists um, while shooting 51% from the field and 44% from three. That's insane stats for a guard who tends to have the ball in his hand a lot. But not only that, he's probably the best defensive player in the nation this year wow. on ball. That kid is crazy. He's only 6'2", though. But I think uh, that's a guard that you just cannot pass up at the next level. I agree. And when I went back and watched him, I don't I want to see what you think about this take. He's somewhere in between his play style. is somewhere in between like an Emmanuel Quickly shooter who can kind of pass to probably won't run your offense at the NBA, but he can kind of pass. But then there's also like a Marcus Smart level where he's just an unbelievable on-ball defender, is an underrated playmaker, and pretty athletic too. Underrated playmaker and athlete like Smart is. Um, do you think he falls between those two? Yeah, I like the Marcus Smart comparison, especially on defense. Um, offensively, I think they him and quickly actually does play like the same pace of game, but I think he has like the first step of De'Aaron Fox where he's kind of that fast. You just saw him not even do like dribble moves or crossovers. It was just simply just low pass you, you know. Very good first step. I agree. That was one thing. I went back and watched um, national championship game. I watched him play some against Houston. Um, and he, yeah, he can just blow by guys. And you don't really, he doesn't immediately strike you as that kind of athlete, but it's really surprising the way he can do that. Where would you, uh, I know you don't have like a big board, but if you estimated where you want him to go in the draft, where would you take him? Um, I think he's a, a late first round guy uh, at the most mid first round and uh, at the least early second round. So he's somewhere in between that 20 to 40 pick range, in my opinion. Okay. And do you think, do you think he's a point guard at the NBA level or do you think he's more of an off combo guard or more of a shooting guard? I think he's exactly what Donovan Mitchell is. <laughs> the okay, same number, <laughs> the same number, the same style of accessories. Um, almost the same height. They both, you know, played that kind of position. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a two guard. Yep. I, I think I agree with you there. Like he, he showed a little bit of trouble when he gets double teamed or when he gets kind of stressed out as a point guard, he can be forced into some tough decisions when he's in control. He's a pretty good passer. The shot is great. Um, he's definitely like a modern NBA player. Definitely someone that any, any team ranging from we have some kind of star this guy is like the perfect secondary piece for almost any team in the league. I feel like. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and then I'll, so my first player that I got excited about um, Quentin Grimes at Houston. Um, and I went back and watched him. I've always liked kind of how he's evolved from really the dud freshman year at Kansas, former five-star player um, transferred to Houston, kind of worked out the kinks last year, then had a great year this year. Um, and I think he's great. Uh, the shot is awesome. I know he was streaky this year, but it looks fantastic. Like he uh, face up and off the catch. He's just perfect, perfect release, consistent every time can hit from NBA range, took a lot of deep threes, especially in the tournament, um, put Houston on its back when he needed to with some of his shot making um, also finished 59% of his attempts at the rim, which is interesting. Um, he finished pretty well at the rim. Didn't, it didn't look that great. He's not the strongest player and he did. I didn't see him use his left hand much at all. So I feel like he's going to be stoppable at the rim, but at least, you know, he can kind of do that. 
Um, pretty good handle for what's probably just going to be a shooting guard at the next level. Um, not great in the mid-range, but not a huge deal. And then decent defender, um, not going to rack up the steals or make a ton of highlight defensive players, but kind of does a little bit of everything pretty well. 6'5", pretty good frame for a shooting guard. The, the thing I wanted to see more of, and I don't know if this was him or Houston, he didn't really cut or use screens very much to get shots at all. It was a lot of face-up and kind of quick dribble pull-up threes. Um, at the NBA level, if he's going to be more of a shooting guard specialist, which I think he's going to be, he's going to have to show that he can cut really well. And I want to see that. But I really like Quentin Grimes a lot. I'd probably put him – I don't know where I'd put him. But probably like – probably like I'm thinking an early second round, but I think that's the kind of player like he's going to make the NBA and provide value to a team. Yeah, I think going to Houston was the best thing for Quentin Grimes. Um, Coach Sampson always brings the dogs out of players. Uh, so we saw him get better defensively and offensively. He had the freedom to where, like you said, he got to be able to shoot a lot of threes. Um, when you were talking about the not cutting, that is kind of Houston's thing. Kind of one-on-one ball. It was him and Sasser that did most of the scoring. And Dejan Giroux, even though he could score, uh, he was more of the facilitator. And Houston never played with bigs. Uh, they always had two six eight guys in the paint, so their guards had to do all the scoring. So I, that's kind of Coach Sampson's model, I guess. But I think um, Quinn Grimes, he'll translate to the NBA very well. Like you said, he's 6'5". He has a lethal jump shot. It'll just be interesting to see how, you know, he develops even more. Yeah, I agree. It's What changes is him going from a pretty good three and okay D guy to if he can develop some kind of scoring package and also get even better as a defender. I think that elevates him maybe from an early second, early to mid second round guy to like a late first and potentially like a steel role player type of guy. Um, so I'm interested in him. Uh, who is your, you had Joel Ayayi at Gonzaga. I know you love him. Um, what do you think <laughs> about him? Yeah, people uh, ask me all the time, why do you love him so much? I say, how many guards do you know that can go grab 14 rebounds in the game? <laughs> uh, we're talking about a guard that's 6'5", 180, but averaged almost seven rebounds a game, exactly 6.9. Um and he shot it well overall. I think he was around 50% from the field goal, only a 30-some percent uh, three-point shooter. But he's very streaky as well. And uh, my player player comparison for him was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, kind of those guys who can play defense in that 6-5 range, who can shoot, but also has the ability to score it other ways when they want to. I think Ayayi is a, um, a 20 to 30 pick, uh, so late first round. I'll be surprised if he slips in the second round, but – um, that's my take on Ayayi. Yeah, he's really tough. Like he is, he's a very physical, tough player. You mentioned he battles for rebounds as as kind of like a guard, guard wing area. Um, and his shot has come a long way. Like I was pulling up his stats, he shot twenty seven percent from three as a freshman, thirty five percent last year. Now he's up to thirty nine percent. So that's that's a really really promising sign. Um, he was great inside too for a, again like a guard wing. I don't, like you said, I don't know if there's a whole ton of upside, but he's a very, like, he helps you in a lot of different ways. He's kind of like a Swiss army knife type of player, um, was key for Gonzaga. I think underrated key for Gonzaga. Like people talked about Suggs. They talked about Kispert, uh, Drew Timmy got a lot of hype in the tournament, but Ayayi like all the way was pretty strong. Yeah. Ayayi the whole year was probably the most consistent piece. I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and then our fourth 
fourth guy, um, Johnny Juzang from the surprise UCLA Final Four run. Um, I was interested in Juzang because I know he got a lot of hype coming out of high school, didn't really work out at Kentucky, transferred to UCLA. I guess kind of a similar story to Quentin Grimes in a way. I don't know why I'm drawn to these guys, but but like worked <laughs> out the kinks one year, came in junior year and was great. Um, I swear I didn't plan that. That's kind of interesting. But um, Juzang is interesting to me because um, he does have a in, very intriguing scoring package. Uh, pretty good around the rim, I feel like. Uh, great, great shooter again. And I think in a different way from Grimes, he can do a little bit of everything as a shooter. Catch and shoot, off the dribble, pretty good handle, strong player. Um, when he gets going, he's kind of like a microwave takeover type of score. I mean, we saw it in the final four. Um, so he was really interesting to me. The problem with Juzang is I don't know what else he does other than scoring. Um, defense was not great. Uh, ball watched a ton. He was not good as an off-ball defender. Um, not super great on rotating on ball. Uh, guys beat him a lot off the dribble. Passing was not super fantastic. So it's, it's tricky because if the scoring doesn't translate, then he's kind of stuck. Um, but the scoring looks great. Like he can do everything from all three levels, which is kind of exciting for him. Yeah, like you said, Juzang was probably the best three-level scorer we saw in March Madness, uh, particularly the mid-range shot. That was crazy, uh, the amount of mid-ranges he took. The amount of mid-ranges UCLA takes in general, which is what Mick Cronin has always been known for. Mm -hmm. um, it was amazing to see. Um, like you said, if he doesn't translate the offense to the next level, he may be stuck, and it's kind of scary when you think about it because the defense – uh, it wasn't – even though D UCLA is a great defensive team, don't get me wrong, but Juzang was probably the one player on that team besides Hawkins, who was 6'6", playing power forward, so I don't count it against him. But uh, Juzang was the guy that you sometimes would see teams attack, not just to put him in foul trouble because of his offense, just because he couldn't simply guard. Yeah, yeah, it was – that was really tough because I, I, I watched a couple pieces of full games. I watched some highlight tapes. I watched a couple other guys break him down, and – it was just tough to watch him go from this like really kind of game warping score, at least at the college level. And then you just watch the other end and, and it's just guys beating him back door or he's watching and, and leaving a three, three pointer or just getting biting on pump fakes in the paint for no reason. Um, so that was tough for that reason. He's probably, if he declares, I don't know if, I think he did declare, right? I'm actually not sure if we've got an announcement from him yet. Okay. I'll have to check. But if he, if he does declare, He's probably a borderline drafted guy um, just because of only seeing kind of one real pathway to him being successful. Um, but there's a chance that like he goes to the G League and is a microwave score. And then all of a sudden that shows you like he can do this at the NBA level. Yeah, I think if he declares, it'll be one of the most interesting uh, things to see where he actually lands. Because after that tournament, I saw a lot of websites change his uh, stock to lottery. So I don't think they paid much attention wow. to the defense. So I think they kind of looked at the offense that he produced and was like, this is the guy that we need right now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, March Madness is definitely a bias, and I fall into it too. Like I remember um, there are a couple of guys last year. And and my problem with is that I always pick the brackets with guys that I think are just going to go off in March Madness, and and that hurts me. So. <laughs> um, there's there's definitely biases for other people to fix. I have them 
too in this sense. But Juzang is interesting. I'm just worried about kind of how how much he's going to have to make up for NBA teams. Uh, so any other thoughts on these four college guys? Um, I'll just be interested to see how these guys play out. I mean, terrific personalities in general, uh, terrific families from each guys. Uh, they all have different background stories. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how they land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of interesting, these are we're going to move on to the next four who are guys that we have just been really intrigued by in general. Um, we've started breaking them down and think that people listening should really focus on these guys as sleepers or risers in this pre-draft process. Also guys that we want to look into more and who didn't necessarily get a whole lot of hype until towards the end of the year. Um, let's see. Let's start with, um, we've talked about the G League. You want to start with the G League guy, Deshaun Nix? Yeah, Deshaun Nix only averaged eight points a game and around um, five rebounds and five assists, which is actually great all around. Um, his weakness was laterally, man. It's it's very easy to get past him because uh, from some reason, from high school to the G League, he gained almost maybe, what, 20 or 30 pounds. And I wouldn't say it was necessarily muscle, which was a lot of people, uh, when we watched the first G League game and he checked in, we was like, is that Deshaun Nix? Uh, he actually got that big, and we were like, what's going on? Uh, but he was able to still play well. Um, he didn't shoot the ball well. He, he sold streaky games. I think he had a 30-point game in the G League. But I think Knicks is a guard with him being that big now. Um, I think you can play him on the post or you can put him uh, into a playmaking role. It'll be interesting to see. You got to remember, he just did a year under Jared Jack, so he did learn a lot as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I mean, the passing is great. He's a really good passer. Um can be a little bit more disciplined with what he chooses to do because he knows he has great vision and takes a lot of gambles, which is, which is fine, especially for a young player. Um, also, like you said, he, he is bigger, but he is still very strong. And he used that, like you said, in the post, he used it on drives, um, overpowered a lot of guards and he can do that at the NBA level. Like you're not going to see a 220 pound point guard very often. And he can kind of use that to his advantage. Shooting was pretty bad I think 18 18 percent I think in the G League um never really been much of a shooter uh and the defense was up and down kind of um what's the upside do you think for a guy like Knicks um I think just improvement overall this is one of those picks where you base it off of potential um kind of what they're going to do with Brandon Boston who didn't have a terrific freshman year at Kentucky but if you look at what these guys have done in the past at the high school level, and uh, if you say they're coachable and they put in the work and go through player development, there's no telling what either one of those guys could turn out to be. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's a type of guy who can find more lateral quickness? He's not really an, he's not an explosive athlete. He, he's, he uses his strength so many ways. Do you think that's something he can fix quickly or do you think that's going to take a while? Um, what I think he should do is if he can't find it, I think he should play off anticipation. Uh, so beating guys to their offensive spot, maybe, or if you know, you're going to get beat, uh, where it's kind of a defensive drill that I work with some players with, uh, since I do a little training now, um, I show guys that sometimes you just got to be players to the spot. So as they start driving, you already be where they want to be. And, uh, I think he's very coachable now, laterally, I'm not sure. I think, um, you know, it'd be a long run, maybe five or six years, honestly, before we see that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely one of the bigger projects in this class. Do you think he gets drafted? 
Uh, yeah, I think he gets drafted. I've been seeing him early second round from a lot of uh, mock drafts, and he's so young that, you know, it's they always love the young cats anyways. Yeah, that's true. It's That's going to be interesting to see how um... – Obviously, Green and Kuminga have a lot of hype, but um, Deshaun Nix, Isaiah Todd, who we're going to talk about later. Um, what happens with those guys during their G League? I, I don't know. Do they go to their G League franchise's team? They probably don't go back to Ignite. I, I just I don't know how that all works. So we'll find out, I guess. Um, next prospect, and I'll, I'll let you start because you turned me on to him, is Josh Giddy. Oh, Josh Giddy. Um he, what I've seen is he's one of my guys, man. That six eight, that six eight build. It's something about it, especially when you have a skill set. And uh, we're looking at these international players. Luka Doncic, his success right now is honestly paying the way, uh, not only for men's but for women's. I watched the WNBA draft yesterday, and I'm not gonna lie, a lot of kids were heartbroken that went to college because the Euro- the Europeans took over that draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but Giddy, he's an interesting prospect. It'll be interesting to see. I think his pick depends on what where he lands, like what the team needs. But it's hard to pass up a guy that's six eight with his skill set. Yeah, and that's what I noticed too. Is he um, is a, another great passer? Um, did a lot in the NBL and just kind of passed a lot of guys open and was really accurate. Uh, shooting has come a long way. He's not an amazing ball handler, but he's fine and can shoot the ball pretty well now. His shot is a little odd, but it goes in and he's pretty consistent with it. Um, defense is, again, like, okay. He's not going to do a whole lot of playmaking on defense, but he's also not going to just get beat every time, like Johnny Juzang. Um, off-dribble game is what I want to watch more of. I want to l- watch a little bit more of his defense too, but uh, PD Webb, who is a big draft and scouting guy that I follow did this whole massive article on Giddy and this film breakdown of him and showed basically like, Hey, he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, and that's okay. He does a lot of good things that are, and his mistakes are pretty easy to clean up. And there are so many different ways that he can be successful, whether it's with his passing, whether it's with his size, like you mentioned, he's six, eight, um, and he's super young. So there's so much to be excited about. And he is another project kind of, but he's really like, there's so much more intriguing about him than I think a lot of the other projects in this class. He could be a really unique player. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, potential based guys in this draft class, which I think is great because next year's draft class, honestly, is going to be a lot of more older college kids. So you're kind of know what you're going to get, but this year is potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's Giddy a uh, quick breakdown of him. Uh, you should read, PD Webb, he has a Patreon, go re- and it's you can go read that article, and it's really in-depth and good. Um, so I would advise that. That was a play, That was where I started with the Giddy breakdown. Uh, next, we'll move on to a guy that you really like, uh, played in March Madness too, Trey Mann. Yeah, Trey Mann, honestly, is probably the best pick-and-roll guard in the draft because that's mainly what Florida did as offense, uh-huh. was put him in pick-and-roll. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see uh, he has the handle to play one-on-one basketball at the next level, but the NBA being so pick-and-roll based, I think it's so perfect for him. A uh, guy who's mainly looking to shoot um, that three-point shot or the mid-range off the pick-and-roll, and he's a big point guard, too, at 6'5", so he has the ability to play the two as well. Defensively, he's okay. 
Um, but you can see the energy and effort that he put in on defense. He was willing to play defense, which is another thing that scouts will point out. Uh, but yeah, Trey Mann, his biggest uh, upside is the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Florida did put him in a lot of spots. They basically, he was kind of the keys to their entire offense. Um, and when I noticed that, because I'm, I buy in on Scotty Lewis. I think Scotty Lewis is going to be a good player. But when I watch Scotty Lewis do stuff, it's uh, Trey Mann has so much control over where that team goes, which is, I think, good in the long run that he can kind of learn that burden now. Because if he's going to play at the NBA level, it's going to be about what he can do scoring off the bench. It's going to be how much he can run a bench offense. And then can he translate that into like a starting offense? Um, People like him a lot. So if he's going to be either a high usage bench point guard, or if he's going to become like a starting point guard combo guard, um, he's going to have to know how to run a pick and roll. So that's good. He's getting that experience now. Yeah. And like you said, Florida, I think Florida put a burden on him to where a lot of, if you look at his turnovers, I think he averaged about 2.8 a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to realize he had the ball in his hands almost all the whole game, and they were really depending on him to either make a pass or make a shot off the pick and roll. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how scouts view that as well from a turnover perspective. Yeah. What do you think about the three-point shot with man? Because he shot 40% this year on pretty good volume, which is great. Um, really, really struggled the year before, shot 27.5%. Um, do you think it's somewhere in the middle? Do you completely buy what he did last year? Or how concerned are you about how much he can keep this up? Um, I think the jump shot will stay uh, just because I watched him as well in high school. And that was kind of his game, the ability of where he could pull up from. Mm-hmm. And uh, his freshman year, uh, he didn't get a chance to play as much as he did this year. And I think him actually being a starter and playing about 30 minutes a game boosted his confidence. So I think with him, uh, it's about a confidence factor. And uh, if he is confident, then I think the jump shot will always be there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, We'll see with Trey Mann. Um, Sophomore who kind of really took a big leap this year with Florida. So stock is on the rise. Um, That finishes our kind of intriguing players that we're high on. Um, we'll also move to, there are four guys we have that we, we've called guys worth the risk. Maybe it's more kind of guys that you should give the benefit of the doubt to. Um, people who had a tough year in some aspects or are lower on people's boards than you might think, um, that we think you should kind of give the benefit of the doubt to and, and let them kind of get another shot to prove themselves in the NBA because they have signs that you should believe in them. Um, the biggest one that probably everyone talks about, and we're going to talk about him quickly too, is BJ Boston, Uh, Kentucky. I think I had him as a top five player going into this year. And he, I mean, he wasn't that, that's what it is. And um, like Kentucky as a whole, he really just didn't play consistently or well much at all. And I mean, that is kind of summing up how how bad Kentucky was this year. Um, But a lot of people loved BJ Boston coming in. A lot of people still have him as like a mid to late first guy. Um, where do you stand on BJ Boston as a prospect right now? Yeah, like you said, he's a mid to late first guy, but it's a guy that you got to remember he's six seven, pushing six eight as a shooting guard. Uh, was one of the most unique and prettiest jump shots I've probably seen in a while. Um, at Kentucky, which like every player at Kentucky this year, they just did have the year that they were projected to have. Uh, but Boston did show flashes where he'll drop twenty to twenty five. Um, against certain opponents, which were decent opponents too, sometimes in the SEC. 
I think uh, the biggest thing taken away from Boston was he didn't give up on himself. And I think if you put that at the next level, uh, he knows who he is. He knows what he can be. Um, so I think the next level depends on his work ethic and he sees, you know, what it's like to kind of be average. So now, you know, just better yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you could see it with him. You could see it with most of the Kentucky players. Like they were, they were visibly like kind of down on themselves a lot because obviously it was, it was a brutal year for them, but there is still so much to like. I think his scoring package is intriguing. He's six, seven with six, 11 wingspan. You never, he could keep growing. Um, that length is really helpful for him around the rim, which is where he struggled, but the length is going to help him. Um, he can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the catch. And I think from February on, he shot well above 40% from three. So those first couple months are going to hurt him on the stat sheet. But towards the end, he really kind of figured it out. Um, ultimately, for me, it comes down to strength with him. Um, he gets kind of destroyed at the rim. Um, he's, he's really, really, he's really, really skinny. He doesn't really know how to use physicality. Um, hurts him on defense too. Uh, when he's in the post, he gets moved around a lot. When he's inside, he gets moved around on the perimeter. He's great at jumping, passing lanes, um, using his length to kind of threaten defenders. Just ultimately, yeah, it's going to come down to strength and how much he's able to hold up against NBA caliber players. He's great at contorting his body. And that's how he's made up for a lot of his strength is he'll, he'll drive inside, do like a weird turnaround jumper, hang in the air for a solid second and shoot it because he, he's not wanting to take that contact, but he also wants to get the shot off. So that's something interesting. And maybe with strength, it gets even better. And then the handle too is a, it's loose because um, he's so tall. I think he's got to tighten that up a little bit. Um, he has a little dip in his shot that I think he's got to fix, but I don't know. There's still so much to like, like he could be a complete scorer. He's a, he can pass the ball. Well, I think that was underrated at Kentucky and he was really good in high school at playmaking. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much more there that we've seen that he can show teams. Yeah. I think he's another guy that goes along the list of that Chris Middleton comparison, those guys who are six, seven, and in that range that can just score the ball, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I, it was bad. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, he actually had a good year. It, it wasn't good. Um, but I think that, I think there's so much that he still was able to flash and so much that we've seen him bring that I think it's totally justifiable to put a, if you're a, especially if you're a contending team, like I imagine a team like the Nuggets who love to take swings on high upside guys like Michael Porter and Bull Bull, RJ Hampton, Nuggets would love to take a swing at a guy like BJ Boston if he's there in like the late first round. Um, so I think a contending team who is, who has a good development system, you're, you're not going to get instant impact with BJ Boston. It's probably going to take a year or two at least, but there's so much upside with him and he's shown it. So I'm feeling good about him. Yeah. And I would say, please do not let him slip to the Lakers. Uh, a lot of people will forget that he played with LeBron James' son, and LeBron was at a lot of his high school games. So LeBron knows what this kid is capable of, yep. and we've seen guys like THT develop in the Lakers system as well. So please do not let him slip to the Lakers. Yeah. Sierra, yeah, no Sierra Canyon guys can stay in L.A., including this guy, another Sierra Canyon player that I want to talk about, um, Zaire Williams, who I think most people still have comfortably kind of in the lottery to mid-first. Um, which is interesting. He didn't have a great year at Stanford either. That's why he's in the seg segment. 
um, shot 29% from three, um, really struggled, uh, dealt with a lot too. I believe when I was reading, he had two deaths in the family. Stanford played all their road games. They didn't play at home. So uh, that's obviously not a challenge you expect going into college. So there were a lot of outside circumstances that I think probably affected him mentally and maybe that translated on the court. But he has, he has a good scoring package. It's even better than I remembered from high school. Like he can, his handle's pretty good. He can beat you off the dribble. He's got pretty good burst. Uh, length is obviously really helpful. Um, the shot making is, the touch is bad. Um, like some, some of these misses are really not even close, but he, when he's off the dribble, he has a pretty good off the dribble move, step back, um, in the mid range, he's pretty solid, just catch and shoot. He's got to figure out and, and just touch his form looks all right, but the touch, I don't even, I don't know how you fix that. If it's just more reps, but the touch is really the, the big issue with him at this point, but otherwise he's a really solid offensive player. Yeah. And it's another guy who, you know, I think could be a Chris Middleton type player in that six, seven to six, eight range. Uh, I did get to watch, I think his first game of the year where I think he hit maybe – he hit a lot of threes in that game. Mm -hmm. But like you said, he dealt with a lot of outside stuff this year. And, uh, you know, Stanford had a weird year where they had to play games elsewhere and things like that. Uh, but like you said, this is a lottery to uh, mid-first-round guy. Um, he's a great kid. What I like about him is uh, whenever he didn't play uh, well, he sat on the bench a lot, but he never got down. He always cheered on his teammates. Uh, terrific kid. Um, academically, that kid is outstanding. I don't think a lot of people know that. Uh, academically, he is crazy uh, talented. <laughs> so um, I think it's a kid that'll be willing to learn. Very smart and mature young man. Uh, you would love to have him in your system. Yeah, I agree. He's gonna he's gonna make the adjustments. I think he's had such a again due to his crazy circumstances with COVID and everything else with Stanford. If you can give him some stability in an NBA development program, strength too. Um, if you're getting NBA strength trainings, trainers to work with Zaire Williams, um, that'll solve a lot of problems because he was another player who struggled around the rim like BJ Boston because he just didn't have the body control down there. Um, but I, I like that too. And again, like he's, he's a player where if he can kind of figure out these issues, um, he's a six, eight wing, long wing, great in transition um, really smart, knows when to pick his spots, good scoring package. I could easily see him, if they click, his ceiling is so much higher than what it looks like right now. Yeah, and I think another guy that he could be compared to is DeAndre Hunter without the body build. Mm -hmm. I could see that because um, Hunter, it took a little while for him, especially with the three-point shot. Um, and I would say, yeah, like you said, Hunter's a little bit more muscular. I think Hunter's a Real Hunter's obviously a really, really good defender. Um, Xavier Williams is, I don't think he's going to reach quite that level that Hunter's hit, but I, I get that too. Um, just the way that they can get a shot when they need to and also kind of take a backseat. They're not going to be high usage guys, which is probably good. Um, anyway, yeah, Zaire Williams, I'm, I'm prepared to continue buying in on until I see something in this pre-draft process that tells me otherwise. Yeah, he's a great kid. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll move to your two now. Uh, we, we mentioned we were going to talk about Isaiah Todd. We'll talk about him now. Um, Todd, like Deshaun Nix, was another G League guy who 
was very up and down. I think he started very poorly and that soured a lot of people on him. And then he kind of figured it out as the season went on. Um, what are your thoughts on Todd? Yeah, he averaged 12 and four and uh, he shot 36% from three. He's one of those face up guys. Uh, so your modern day big at about 6'10, 6'11. Um, I think Todd's biggest weakness is defense. Um, he doesn't tend to buy in a lot unless he's hot on offense, which is very rare which we saw in the G League. He's another one of these raw potential guys. Uh, it'd be hard to pass up because of his skill set at the height that he has. That's what it's, the modern-day NBA is about. Um, so I think he's another guy that's really late second round. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him as somewhere between the 40 and 60th pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Do you think he's a center at the NBA level, or do you think he's like a stretch four? Because like you said, the, sh- the shot looks pretty good. He's able to hit it off the catch. He can do a little bit off the dribble. Um, and he doesn't, have, he doesn't have a whole lot going for him on either side of the interior. But do you think he's a – is he a stretch big, or do you think he can kind of turn that into being more of an inside player too? Um, I think he's a stretch four, but I think he can turn it into being an inside player. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if I see some lineups where he's at the three – uh, just because of his mobility, I will say that he he runs like a gazelle, man. He's able to move laterally. It may not be the same, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the three as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so maybe more of like a combo word type. We'll see. Um, but Todd, so like a lot of these guys, project um, needs to build strength, needs to kind of play with some intensity on the defensive end. But there's a lot of good stuff to like, especially with the way he can already shoot it. Um, and then the last guy we're going to mention in this segment, I didn't know much about him at all. But when I started watching him, um, he's really interesting. And that's Alan Flanagan at Auburn. Um, do you want to tell us about him? Yeah, so this is a kid who I went to high school with. Uh, it's interesting to see how far he has come. I talk to him a lot still. Um, but he's probably has one of the most NBA ready bodies, which he worked hard for himself. Uh, they say he's 6'6", 215, but I promise you that kid's about 6'6", 230. Um, he's extremely athletic lefty with a, a decent jump shot. It's very streaky. Um, but I think his body is what carried him a lot. And when Sharif Cooper went out, we saw him at point guard. When you see a 6'6", mm-hmm. 230 guy at point guard, there's obvious that there's a skill set there. And that's what a lot of scouts saw. They had him projected lottery at first. I saw him uh, all the way up to at least the teens. And now uh, he's moved down to early second round. I think an interesting thing is, does he declare or not? Uh, you look at what Auburn's bringing in. They could possibly have the best front quarter next year. If he stays at the three, Jabari Smith, top 10 prospect coming in at the four, and UNC transfer Walker Kessler at the five. So Auburn is a team that looked like they can make the final four next year. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, that is such a fun team. And yeah, Flanagan, I didn't know too much about him coming into this. Um, I was really impressed by how tough he is. You mentioned his, his frame is obviously great, um, but he, he uses it to his advantage too. Um, shot is coming along. It's not perfect at this point, but it's better than it was last year. Um, he also showed some flashes of good passing. A couple of nice passes that I saw. He was kind of forced into that point, point forward type of role. Um, and he was pretty good with it. And I think he's someone who is that classic kind of upperclassman breakout guy. Um, if you want to jump on the train of not 
not playing like Davion Mitchell, but if you want to jump on the train of someone making a leap like Davion Mitchell is today or this year, there's, I mean, there's so many examples of upperclassmen that do that. If Flanagan doesn't declare, he is a guy to watch for next year. Absolutely. Especially if Auburn is a top team and a contender, like you mentioned. Yeah, and like I said, with next year's draft class, high school guys-wise, there are not many that I can see be one and done. So it's going to be a year for college and overseas mm-hmm. players. So uh, I don't think he hurts his stock pretty much. I think he gains stock if he does return. Yeah, I'll be really interested in him. Uh, so that was the 4-4 benefit of the doubt segments. I completely forgot about one of the guys in our other segment. Um, so I apologize for that. But I, I really actually wanted to talk about him probably more than almost anyone. Um, Benedict Matherin is awesome he is fantastic and i know that draft twitter a couple draft twitter guys probably beat me to him um because he has been playing well but this guy is the man at arizona he is six foot seven um he's from montreal i believe fantastic athlete at six foot seven not fantastic like zion but he's really quick and can get up um and and considering he's a guy he's a freshman who's not going to be 19 until draft time um super young and I feel like no one really looked at him as kind of a freshman breakout guy this year but he has absolutely um jumper went from pretty bad from what I heard to 40 percent this year on pretty solid volume um great energy in general some good chase down blocks that I saw I'm gonna have to watch more of him but on my first glance this is a guy who I love 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 yeah, he's another one of those big guards. Um, I saw his offensive game. It's kind of pretty interesting. Uh, he's another guy, like you said, didn't have much attention out of high school. Um, but that's what a lot of West Coast players, we see these overseas players or guys from Canada go over there, and they're able to shine in the American system. Um, I think he's a guy that's just worth taking the risk if he does declare. Um, and I think he will get drafted. I heard a lot of people saying he may not get drafted, but he will get signed. I think the potential and, like you said, the age that you just mentioned, I think he gets drafted. I think absolutely. There's so I, the age is a big thing. He's long. I feel like there's so many. He checks so many NBA like, oh, we're interested in this. We're interested in this boxes. <laughs> um, and the jumper looks looks good. I know it's kind of a surprise that it was so good this early, but I think it's legit. Um, so Benedict Matherin, if he doesn't declare, like you said, there's so many openings for him to I think leap into the lottery or even like the top 10 of next year, if he's going to come back as a sophomore, but I think he should go this year. I hope, I hope he gets into an NBA system. He's going to be really good. Yeah. And if he doesn't declare, it'll be interesting to see if he hits the transfer portal or not uh, with Arizona firing Sean Miller mm-hmm. and now hiring Gonzaga assistant, Tommy Lloyd, who's ec- excellent with overseas players. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned the transfer portal. So I think in the last probably seven or eight to 10 minutes of this show. Um, we could do a quick rundown of what's happened in the transfer portal, what you've liked so far, and then maybe some of the best available guys. I, I do want to start with the best available player because you've talked about him on Twitter a lot. Marcus Williams transferring from Wyoming. Um, what do you like about him so much? He's He was a freshman, right? Yeah, he was a guy that I got to watch in person in high school. Uh, this kid scores the ball. Uh, he averaged 15 as a freshman. Uh, he's only about 6'2". But uh, he knows how to score. He has a little feistiness and a little swagger that most players don't have at his age mm-hmm. and the confidence. So it, I've seen a lot of high major programs reach out. This is a guard that can impact a team right away and be a scorer. Yep. 
Absolutely. That's great. And he's going to be exciting, especially with his youth. I imagine so many teams are after him. I haven't seen, I'll have to look up. I don't know if he's been contacted by teams yet. Do you know if they've put out lists of teams that have reached out to him? Um, I haven't seen accurate lists. I was just seeing buzz and rumors, but uh, this, this is a power five kid. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially uh, the PAC 12 and uh, the American conference since he's from that uh, Texas area. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can move into some of the other best available guys. Uh, Marcus Carr, who I believe is, is, is he also testing the draft waters too? Um, I think so. And so he might just not come back, but he's transferring from Minnesota. Um, do you think this is a guy who takes that kind of leap that we've talked about if he comes back? Um, I don't, I'm not sure what Marcus Carr does next year. He's a terrific volume scorer. He averaged 19 a game uh, on a Minnesota team that struggled at times. Uh, but he's the best available transfer just because of his scoring uh, at point guard position. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he does go to a school like a Kentucky or so, does he keep that same scoring production and how does that affect his draft stock? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, who else is on your best available watch list? Yeah. So I actually looked at it in order. Uh, I think this is the guy that you may know. I'm hearing a lot about Trey Mitchell from UMass. Could you tell me a little bit about him? I mean, he's, he's just interesting because he, um, he produced, really well as a sophomore one don't see a lot of hype around Massachusetts college basketball players at this current moment um so it's exciting to get behind someone like Trey Mitchell he was easily the best college basketball player in Massachusetts last year um so that was exciting uh does a little bit of everything really produced for them they're the Minutemen um (laughs) can score can score well rebound well um interesting pretty versatile even though he's kind of an undersized like four or five I like him a lot. Um, I don't know where, let's see if there's any rumors on where he's going to go. Um, I don't think so, but um, yeah, he's one of the best players that that program's had in a while. And I'm a huge Trey Mitchell guy. So I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah. And just to keep it short, um, a couple of names I want people to look out for Adam Miller, uh, highly talented freshman from uh, Illinois. Uh, top 30 coming out of high school. He only averaged eight a game in Illinois, but you got to remember that's a team with Ayo DeSumo and Kofi Cockburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two players carried it. Um, Mac McClung, who everyone knows, internet yeah. sensation. Uh, he actually entered the draft, but I'm interested to see uh, your take on him. There's a lot of mixed takes. There's a lot of people that doesn't like him. There's a lot of people that do. How do you feel about I him? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate him as, as a player. Like he, he can score. Obviously, um, he's fun to watch for sure. I don't, if he enters the draft, I don't think he's getting drafted. Um, I think it's probably best for him to transfer, even though this is his second time doing so. I think it's better for him. I think it's better for him to stay in college. Um, maybe go to, I feel like another winning program would make sense. There was a list that came out um, of schools that have reached out to him and shown interest. I'll see if I can find it. I know that BC was on there, which fired me up, even though there's such a small chance of that happening. Um, <laughs> but let me see if I can find uh, an interest list for him. Yeah, and I know Texas there. is probably on that list. I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up, you know, with Chris Beard leaving Texas Tech for Texas. And uh, Chris Beard was the one that got him to Texas Tech. I wouldn't be surprised if he's over there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I saw the I saw the list on Twitter earlier. I'll have to go back and look for it. But I'm interested in him um, for sure. I just don't. I haven't been convinced yet that he's gonna make that make the kind of leaps he needs to make to get to the NBA. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, another guy interesting, six seven Christian Bishop, who played the five for Creighton last year. He cut his list down to Kansas, Texas, and UNC. Um, the way Texas is and Chris Beard, he's on a hot trail right now. Wouldn't be surprised if he lands up there. An interesting name hit the portal yesterday, too, uh, Davion Harmon from Oklahoma, another guy who went to high school with Jalen Wilson of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, be interesting to see where he lands. Uh, you're going to see, like, the Kentuckys. I've already heard they've reached out. This is another guy that's on, like, that Marcus Carter level of point guards. Uh, but he's a do-it-all guard and very well all around. And uh, my last guy was Miles Johnson, who actually committed an hour ago. Um, he committed to UCLA, which was wow. predicted. I predicted that. Nice. Uh, I said UCLA or USC. Uh, this is a kid who graduated from Rutgers as an engineering major. Uh, he was very serious about his major. Um, so it's, he played that into schools. That's how we cut it down to the UC schools. He got accepted into Stanford's graduate school. Wow. I'm talking about this kid is very smart. Uh, probably was the best center in the portal as well. And he's from Long Beach, California as well. So it just all kind of played to that California area. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, that's exciting, though. I think he's going to be interesting to watch. Um, and he's a grad He's grad transfer, right? Yeah, grad transfer. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And as we kind of keep doing these episodes, if there's something big that happens in the transfer portal, we'll keep you guys updated um, and break that down, too, because obviously this year especially the transfer portal has been madness um which is cool and interesting also hard to keep track of uh but we'll keep you updated on that any other thoughts that you have on prospects you want to shout out um things you want to mention as we wind this down um i just want to say that it's it's been a great year for basketball it was good to have college basketball back Uh, it was just good to see the final four happen um, the NBA right now, the shortened season is already about to be playoff teams. There's literally about 15 games left in the NBA season, uh, regular season. And also about 30 minutes ago, uh, familiar name in college basketball from Oklahoma, Brady Manning committed to North Carolina. So that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't even, I haven't been looking at my phone. I didn't even realize that's a, that's exciting. Um, especially for UNC. Yeah, for UNC. Um, great. Yeah, I think that then we'll wrap up everything that we want to talk about on this episode. Um, Next time we're going to get into, we'll probably pick four draft prospects or high school, uh, whatever you guys are interested in that we are going to break down individually each. So it's going to be a lot longer than kind of the quick hits that we did today. Um, We'll probably spend about 15 minutes on minutes on each player Um, really get into their games, what we like, what we don't like, what we think about their spots in the NBA, stuff like that. Um, so that's what's on tap for the next couple episodes. Uh, but otherwise, thanks so much for rejoining us as we get started with draft season. Uh, follow Rashad Landers at Rashad Landers one on Twitter. Yep. Yes. yes. Sir. Okay. Uh, I'm at Ethanman43. And thanks so much. Follow us, Crystal Basketball Podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube, um, Instagram. We got a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And we will see you for the next episode.